Good morning for the Met Radio Morning Mixtape. I am Donovan LaCroxy, and debuting on the show, I've got actor Peter Lung. How you doing? I'm pretty good, man. Thank you for having me. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. And where are you from? I'm born here, man. I'm Mm -hmm. born here, uh, North York. All right. North York. North York, represent. All right. Scarborough. Yeah. I I live in Scarborough now. I'm from Scarborough, too. Hell yeah. Well, you live in Scarborough now, but now, what do you call it? Now we're Scarbarians, right? (laughs) (laughs) Some people call it that, I guess. All right. So let's hear about you. You're an actor, right? How did you decide you wanted to dive into being an actor? Didn't want a real job. You didn't want a real job? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I got in through a back door. I got in through dancing and uh, acrobatic type stuff. So my first gigs were music videos. There was a time back in the day at Black Walk where I was in everybody's music video, dancing and doing stuff. Then um, I started auditioning for other things and speaking and that kind of stuff. But my way in was through dance. So it was through a, a back door. Mm-hmm. And you like dance, right? I do. I do. I mean, I, I don't really dance much anymore, but there was a time where that was my gig. I would uh, perform every weekend, if not every day, have gigs here and there, tours or choreographies or ceremonies, things like that. All right. All right. And talk about the artists that you've opened up for, because you've opened up, well, opened up for artists. Um, as dancers, or as a dancer, yeah, I've uh, performed with quite a few people, lots of music videos. I've done Soul Decision, Wyclef, Mia Minx, Lauren Fabian, Britney Spears at uh, Much Music for Electric Circus. I'm really dating myself right now. I was a dancer on EC. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that they just had a an, an anniversary? Yes, Did you the go? 35 year anniversary of Electric Circus. Listeners, young people may not even know what they Electric no Circus is, but I'm telling you, when I watch that old TV, <laughs> do 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 do. Remember Monica Diola? She was there. Uh, oh, she was. So Monica Diola was there. <laughs> Simone Denny of Love Inc. performed. Yes. So I I know Simone. Yeah. But um, they had go-go dances mm-hmm. set up. You know, on platforms, that kind of stuff. And I I honestly believe that they gave old tapes of us because they danced like us. And people don't dance like that anymore. Like, the dance has evolved. Like, people aren't doing, like, that kind of stuff yeah. anymore. But they looked like us. It was it was, a, it was like a time warp, man. I walked in, and I, I really thought I was jumping in and on, on an EC gig again. Oh, man. It was wild. For... The, the, even the DJ. The DJ was playing all the old tracks. I got called by Glenn Baxter mm-hmm. to, to put, like, a set list. Like, what tunes do I want to hear? I'm like, man, I don't remember what these songs are called. <laughs> <laughs> For listeners that don't know, Electric Circus was on in the 80s and it got canceled in 1999, but then they tried to bring it back in 2010 and it didn't go anywhere. But the 35-year <laughs> anniversary, it, what do you call it? I hope, do you ever think they could bring it back to TV again? Again? I think it would be something different, though. Yeah. I, I think it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as, as innocent or as pure as it was. Okay, in innocent innocent is in quotation marks. I mean, innocence in its um innocence in its uh its 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 attack. Right. For for the market. Right. Like there was nothing like it when when we did it at all. Mm-hmm. Right? You have a, a show where there's a bunch of people wearing really outrageous clothing dancing to a DJ, right? Mm-hmm. Soul Train did it, but Soul Train at least had like, you know, solos that kind of stuff. This was just people dancing. 
It was, mm-hmm. like, it was a, such a strange time, man. And some of those artists that you opened up for, Soul Decision, I love me some Soul Decision, <laughs> Canadian. Soul Decision. <laughs> Do you know what Thrust was in Soul Decision? He is? Thrust. Yes. Yeah, so the video that I was in, Faded, mm-hmm. Thrust, the rapper, was the rapper on the gig. Ah. I saw Thrust um, a couple years ago, actually. Yeah, he's, he's, still, he's still doing stuff. So this is so old that... When I did Soul Decision, they were called Soul Decision. Then they mm-hmm. changed their name to Indecision when they actually launched. Oh. So the vi- so But the, what it- happened to them now? Are they still around? Because I haven't heard from them. They were well known in my days when I was in high school. I was dancing, and that white blood in me could really rip <laughs> down the place and do the little moves, you know? Well, then you've definitely seen the video that I'm in. <laughs> kind of thin, but I feel all right. That's the video thinking that I'm about, in. Thinking about moves tonight. Can't yeah. that you're only my friend. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the video that but I'm But are in. they still around? I haven't heard from them, no. Oh, yeah. I mean, after the video, I didn't do anything with them. That mm-hmm. was, it was just a, a one-off. I yeah. just showed up and kind of threw down, and that's mm-hmm. it. But you also got to do Lauren Hill. Talk about that. That wasn't as a dancer. That was as a, a musician. Musician, yes. So I can't remember the bill. Sorry, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I know that she was a headliner, and it was in Toronto at X venue. I don't remember the venue. I don't remember anything from those times. But I was playing drums or percussion opening opening for her uh, with an artist. I don't even remember the artist's name. All I know is that I got called to fill in the night before, and they asked me, Peter, can you play this instrument? Sure. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea what it is. <laughs> so I went to the store and rented one and you know figured out how to play it. Uh, it's called a cajon. It's, uh, it's a basically a box that you, you hit. It's a, a Latin percussion thing. Um, so yeah, I played cajon with this guy playing guitar and singing and we were the opening 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 act so we were the first act up wow of this this gig who else maestro was there mm-hmm. um funkity funk funk <laughs> yeah maestro was there there was a whole bunch of other artists but i know lauren was the headliner did she do a good job that night back Abs- in 1999 absolutely. or Abs- 2000 this was this was more recent than that this was like oh shoot yeah <laughs> this was um i would say 2018 20- 13, 2014. Okay, so 10 years ago. My bad. Yeah. yeah. This was not, yeah, this wasn't back in the day. This was not back, back in the day. Back okay, in the day. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Now, but then you said you've kind of taken a step back from all the dancing and all the choreography and opening up, right? You've kind of taken a step back to more acting, right? I, I'm an actor, yeah. Yes, yes. I, I do think, though, that um, all of the things I've done before, like the music and the training and the, the dancing and the acrobatics and all that kind of stuff, they're all the same thing. Okay. They're just perceived differently, and it's a, a different instrument in the body. Mm-hmm. Acting is exactly the same thing as singing, which is exactly the same thing as hitting choreography. Like, okay. there's there's no difference in my brain. All right. Oh, but let's talk about Cirque du Soleil before we talk more about the acting. Cirque yeah. du Soleil, Fire Within. <laughs> fire Within. So, I wasn't in the Fire Within, Okay. but Stella Ume was, and I I know Stella, I trained with her at Zero Gravity Circus, and she was a gymnast back in the day. Um, but for Cirque, I started off doing straps, aerial straps with Zero Gravity Circus. Then I learned cordelis and double trapeze and wheel and a, a bunch of other circus apparatus. So I performed with them for a number of years. Then I did a tour uh, out in Germany, and I performed in the Spiegel Tent. I don't know if you know what the Spiegel Tent is, but it's, no. uh, it's a quite a famous thing in New York, and they brought one here. And I did uh, some performances with Cirque Al Waz. I did some performances with um, Big Apple Circus in New York. But then 
my coach, uh, who got me into circus, said, Peter, there's a guy called me. He wants you to fill in. This guy, Sasha, blew out his body. Can you fill in? Sure. So I learned my act on the plane, got there, and was going to die because I didn't know anything and I didn't have time to rehearse. I didn't put on a costume. <laughs> it was it was a trip. But I, I did fill in. I filled in for a Cirque du Soleil show uh, for a little bit. And it was a wonderful, crazy, terrible, soul-destroying, and enlightening experience. Oh, <laughs> Cirque du Soleil is uh, it's it's an animal. It's it's a it's a conglomerate of incredible people doing incredible things that a people spend a lot of money on. But the performers, even though most of them, if not all of them, are top 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 of what they do, they are s- sort of expendable. So for every one guy who had my skill set, there's a thousand other in Ch- others in China who are probably better than me. It just happened to be I got the call, right? There are some guys, you know, that are the best in the world. Um, I worked with this one guy, this one hand balancer, and he is the absolute best in the world. No one can do what he does. But for the audience, no one will actually know that you have the best acrobat in the world doing something as opposed to someone who's not the best acrobat in the world who do all the same tricks. Right, right, right. But I, I, I liked it, man. Like, circus was my life for a while. Like, I, I'm nonchalant about it. I kind of, you know, when I speak, I speak, you know, maybe not as exuberantly as, uh, as, as you would expect. But it was my life. I was a touring, training, performing acrobat. And that's how I made a living for a good number of years. Wow. But going back to all the all the other things, the, the dance, the this, the that, I've always done things that make money at the time. So music, I was playing gigs and opening for people and writing music and recording stuff. And I got a, I got a paycheck. I got money. Then I stopped getting money. So I had to find another way to get money. So I would dance for bar mitzvahs or artists or wherever, and I would get money then those gigs would dry up. So I would do something else. (laughs) So, you know, money's not the most important thing in the world, but in our three-dimensional reality, it's quite important. So I've done these artistic things to make a living. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then now we're focusing on the acting, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about what we've been. And by the way, listeners, I could not do a circus, what do you call Cirque du Soleil? I would not have the body for that. And number one, two, I could not be flipped over on those bars and everything. No, I'm scared I'd drop dead. So <laughs> you could. If you if you trained 30 hours a week for 10 years of your life, I promise you you could. Oh Jesus, I think I'd be dead early. <laughs> All right, all right. So the acting. Let's hear what have we been in recently? What have we been in? Recently, uh, I'm the lead of a show called Rising Suns. Okay, what was that about? We are a billionaire family, uh, all Asian. My dad is a businessman who I eventually find out is mafia. I play a very young kid. I play 17 years old. So I'm, I'm naive. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cocky i'm I, all all the things that go with teenagerism mm-hmm. <laughs> teenagerism um the teenage life i uh i have a girlfriend who doesn't like me she crashes my car i i've yeah it's it, it's a whole it's a whole thing but sammy son my character sammy son sammy son is uh he's endearing he's like i said he's naive but i find um i find common ground with my dad 
when I realize what he is and who he is and how he how he runs things. And that's kind of how we ended the seasons. I know. And it only got two seasons. Can you explain to our listeners why it only got two seasons? COVID. Uh, <laughs> I we... mean, there, there, there could have been other reasons as well, but really... COVID kind of halted production. We couldn't afford the the COVID costs for for filming was basically kind of the brunt of it. Mm-hmm. Listeners, we say another word, the vid, but... <laughs> the vid. But I mean, what do you call it? Not that that's funny, but I mean, COVID did affect a lot of the business. And how was your mental health within COVID finding out it got canceled after two seasons? I was... I wouldn't say upset. I was, you know, disappointed, maybe. But COVID was like, it was an absolute monster for a while, right? Like, I I do remember when it first happened, like, and in my brain, I'm like, this is it. We've seen this movie. We're all going to die. <laughs> it's it's going to be Resident Evil. It wasn't that. But yeah, like there was there was a time where, you know, I actually just stayed literally in my house and did absolutely nothing. Like I wouldn't even go out of my balcony for a good two, three weeks. Then I, you know, I, I kind of saw that where it was going. But in my head, I didn't think it was going to last as long as it did. This is this. This has been beaten to death. Like everyone has has the same same story, the COVID story, right? But none of us knew that it was going to last three years, right? We thought three weeks, maybe maybe three months. But yeah, it just kept going and going and going. And then the likelihood of returning to camera was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Right. But they are talking about working on something in the future, aren't they, to get the cast back? Man, they've been talking about that for three years. (laughs) (laughs) I was just trying to keep up the optimism. (laughs) But no, I mean, it's it's possible. There's, There's a possibility. I, I think it would be a, a great show. Uh, I think that people would be interested in it. I think it's a good time for it. I think that, uh, yeah, having a, an, an all-ethnic soap opera of sorts with gangsters and guns would be fun as hell. So, listeners, it's kind of like the Asian version of The Sopranos, right? Not quite. Not quite? But it, it, could, well, it could go there. Well, when we're talking about gangsters, we got to remember The Sopranos, right? It was the Italian <laughs> mafia, and you said mafia, so I would only assume it's like the Asian version of that. Yeah, like the triads. Mm-hmm. But when we did it, we didn't push that side of it. Okay. We, we pushed more of the um, the Chinese political side, right? Like the, the Red Army side. All right. The Red Army side and anything else? Communism. Okay. The, the, the communist side of it. And then, you know, taking money out of China because obviously the show's not set in China. The show's set in North America. So we get really controversial, basically. It was controversial. It was quite controversial. All right. That's why I need you to talk to me more, okay? (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Well, I'm hoping you guys can, what do you call it, soon, you know, get back together and do another season because reboots happen so quick now. Oh, yeah. I'd love it. (laughs) All right. So what else are we working on? Because you told me you have passion projects off interview you love sci-fi talk about that so what i do is i have a, an idea if the idea ruminates in my brain for longer than 24 hours i'll jot down notes of said idea if those notes after a couple of days i read them if they're good then i'll extrapolate on it and i'll you know get into the the mindset of this scenario or this uh, this character or this idea this person, um, sometimes it's just based on a person. Sometimes it's based on a scenario. But I do have two, three projects 
kind of in development right now, two of which are sci-fis. One is a thriller. And what I do is after I've ruminated and I've, uh, you know, extrapolated on all the, the permutations and this and that, and I've, I've written something, I'll write what I call a proof of concept, which basically is from the introduction of characters to the inciting incident, kind of where the story begins, um, just to introduce people. And I will go out and shoot it for whatever money I can scrounge together or favors I can call in, things like that, make it as good as possible and then try to shop it from there. So I have one project that we've done that, it, that is wrap. Uh, we pitched it to some people where there's interest and now we're at the point of pushing it farther. The other sci-fi, we haven't shot it yet, but the script, I've written the script, it's all done. I just cast it. So I have some people in mind and we're hopefully going to camera for that one we were to do it this month. This month may not be possible, but very soon. And then the same thing. Okay. After you, after we do it, we do all the post on it and then send it out to some people, see if there's interest. All right. So we need our cast, though. Who mm -hmm. do we got? Are we looking for a lead lady, a lead man? We need our cast. I, I have some people. I okay. have some people. I have um, Samora Gloria. Okay. I've got... Uh, I don't know her, but... Samora, no. she's on Star Trek. Okay. Hi, Samora. <laughs> <laughs> you can come to the show if you want to. We've <laughs> got uh, Murray, Murray Urquhart okay. is, will be playing the lead of that gig, so he's uh, the number one in the call sheet. I've got uh, my acting coach, Axon Nahani Johnson. Okay. Out of, uh, she's out of Georgia right now. Hmm? No, sorry, Atlanta. She's in Atlanta right now, but she's going to come down and shoot that. Her daughter is okay. one of the characters. I've got some other actors I've just met through other people or on set or who I've worked with or people I've wanted to work with. This is this one's big. This is okay. a, a a big kind of space opera, but not set in space. Basically it's my take on class apartheid. Take that take that with a grain of salt. Um because that's not actually what it is, but it's it's massive. Like, you know, apartheid is a massive topic. Um and controversial and polarizing and all those things that I enjoy. I enjoy pushing buttons. But yeah, so this is my take on class apartheid told in a sci-fi manner. All right. We need Jet Li, though, too. We need him to play the <laughs> father, or we need him to play maybe an older mafia person that gets people in trouble. Can Jet we would have be that? good. Jet okay. would be good. Gets, get Keanu. Get Johnny Depp. All right. Right? Now my budget has gone from zero to... <laughs> Oh, yeah, Jackie, Jackie Chad. He likes indie films, doesn't he? Jackie? Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've worked with him once. Okay. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> it was good. It was good. I was on a movie called The Tuxedo a long, long, long time ago, and he was wonderful. Okay. But Jackie can be in this, can he? Yeah. Tell him he owes you a favor, okay? Jackie, <laughs> hit me up, man. <laughs> Uh, DM me. What's up? All right, all right, all right. So in 2024, what can they look out for you in now? Because we talked about the passion projects, but what can they look out for you in now? TV shows or movies? Right now, there's nothing in the pipeline that's coming anytime soon. But the one project that I have going, that one is going, going. Uh, I can't give you a date, but hopefully that one will be relatively soon. We'll hit camera relatively soon and with fingers crossed toes crossed eyes crossed everything goes to plan and it's pretty big man i'm 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 very excited about it i'm i'm pretty reserved okay. when, when I, I talk about these things but i'm boiling underneath okay it'll get you an emmy or an oscar we'll see we'll see <laughs> we'll see you never know it i could... mean the the awards the awards aren't really ne necessarily important to me mm -hmm. but you know 
I'd like to go to the parties. All right. <laughs> I'd like to be invited to the Oscars. And, okay, say if you never win an Emmy or an Oscar, does that mean you're a good actor? If you don't win? Yeah, if you don't win, or if your TV show never ever wins, or your movie never wins an Oscar or an Emmy, does that mean it's a good project? If it never, never wins? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, why Why not? I mean... Some people may beg to defer, saying it was never good if it never won any awards. I mean, that's a very subjective thing. Like, you are talking about a panel that looks for specific things every year. Like, I can name a few movies that I thought were fantastic that didn't do anything at all. Like, my favorite movie is Tai Chi Master with, with Jet Li, actually. And no one knows what it is, but it's my absolute favorite film of all time. Mm-hmm. Um... Then there are, you know, the big epics that deserve all the awards, like Oppenheimer <laughs> deserves every award it can possibly get. That film is brilliant. But then there's like these little indie films that are just incredible. Right? That are With- winning a lot of awards. We saw it in the last year's Oscars. What yep. is your take to that? I love it. I love it. We've absolutely democratized filmmaking. We're at a point right now where even 10 years ago, it was impossible to do what they're doing now for the amount of money they're doing it now. But with the advent of the digital camera, you know, this is going way back now, but when the digital camera first came out, it had backlash because all the old school film heads were like, no, it has to be on celluloid. You You have to shoot film. It'll never go away. They were wrong. And now you'll have auteurs like the Nolans and, and these guys who will shoot nothing but film. But then you'll have other people who will shoot digital. And I'm not saying that these cameras are cheap because they're not, you know, Alexas and Reds, they're not cheap cameras. But... For a fraction of the cost, you can get a full-blown production for very little. And now, with, you know, cell phones being as good as they are, you can shoot, literally shoot movies on iPhones. Uh, There's a film that just got released, a sci-fi, and the DP had the choice. He had a a big budget. Like, I'm not sure what the budget was, but it's, we're talking north of $100 million. Um, So he could have any budget he wants. He could have anything he wants. But he chose to shoot it on Sonys and the small Sonys because that's what he chose. That was the look that he wanted. And these are like little $3,000 cameras. So for very little money, you can have the tools to make Hollywood blockbusters. And then with um, the post-production side of it, some of these programs that they're using to cut the films are free, Mm. right? DaVinci Resolve is absolutely free and it's what every house uses. It's exactly the same thing. It's just how far you want to go into it and how much knowledge do you want? How good do you want to get at editing and these kind of things? But it is absolutely possible. Look at look at YouTubers, man. YouTubers shoot videos every single day and upload videos every single day. Are they the best cinematic quality? No. That's arguable, but... Well, some sure, are, yes. Some, some are great. I wouldn't right? say all listeners don't throw tomatoes, but some aren't. But they're doing it, right? Out of their basements on a laptop and getting millions upon millions of views, sometimes more than films who spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we've absolutely democratized the idea of creating a movie. Mm. But like you said, it doesn't mean it wasn't good if it never wins that Oscar or if that TV show doesn't win that Emmy, right? No, man. Like, I, I think the accolades are nice and important only only because it'll show appreciation to all the hard work that went into it with everybody else. Yeah. So if you know if you're if you're Christopher Nolan and you just shot Oppenheimer, you're you're going to win an Oscar. You're talking about a $300 million movie with the best people in the world, using the best stuff in the world, with the best cast in the world, the like the best of everything. But, you know, 
the the locations guy, right, who is working for 15 bucks an hour, that dude is now can have pride. My film, I was part of this machine, like the filmmaking machine. It it won something. It it did it did well. So in that's it that aspect, I think it's it's great. Have have all the award shows. Invite me to all of them. Yes, <laughs> and make sure you invite me too. Okay? Absolutely. But to to go back to your point, um, just because it doesn't win an award doesn't mean it's not good or valid or or a, an incredible piece. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What would you like to tell other actors and actresses that want to get into the business? What's your message to them in 2024? I'm 19-year-old Donovan. Mom, Dad, I want to be an actor. Do it. Do it. Uh, whatever that means to you. If that means staying up late at night and watching movies and dreaming about it do that um also like i like like i said i keep going back to this man we are we have absolutely democratized the idea of making movies yeah like you still have to pay your dues you still have to go out and get an agent and and do all all the things and then there are hierarchies and agencies and this and that do you have the right agent do you have the right headshots do you have the right demo reel blah blah, blah. but none of that actually matters when you're just trying to get in if you're just trying to get in just do it. Live it. Breathe it. Shoot your own stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like you can ha you can shoot a fantastic demo reel on your cell phone, right? Doing monologues. Just do it, man. Huh? Just do it. We we've there is no better time than now to be in the entertainment industry because the entertainment industry now is paying more money than ever before. Look at YouTube. Mm -hmm. Well, some may might argue it's not, especially to other minority actors and actresses. Some may argue it's not paying us more. I should have got more in such and such movie. Oh, that's yeah, that's okay. So that that's a whole other conversation, right? Like um, the the equalization of pay is among gender and among ethnicity mm -hmm. is still a topic. It's, right. I mean, I I'm not white. Right, I'm I am Asian mixed. Um, and I casting Peter Lung. I'm I'm going off on a tangent right now. Casting Peter Lung is a a strange thing because first of all, I look very very young, even though on I'm not on paper I'm not, but I look very very young. Um, and then I look Asian if I'm with a bunch of white people or you know a, a people of, of other ethnicities other than Asian. But if you hang me with a bunch of Asians. I don't look Asian at all. So I'm in this weird place. So when you cast Peter Lung, you're casting the X factor or the fact that I, I went in and there was nobody else or I blew them away or, or what whatever reason you cast Peter. But the idea that there's a pay difference for the same quality of work is absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. So there there should be an equalization and an uh, and a level playing field among among all. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, you'll have pay discrepancies cuz, you know, if you cast an A-list actor, he's going to demand X amount of dollars because he's at that level. You're not going to pay, you know, your your number 37 on the call sheet the same amount of money they're going to pay number 1 on the call sheet. Like that's that's right. a thing. But if it's number 1 and 2, right? Which are like the the two leads of the film, they should be getting the same, if not very, very, very close. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if we have two Ryans, for example, Ryan Gosling, and what's the other one's name? Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Which one are we going to pay more? <laughs> that goes into their agent's negotiation. <laughs> well, some might argue let's pay Ryan Gosling more because he has what it takes to be the Barbie doll. Well, Ken. <laughs> Did you watch the Barbie movie? No, I didn't. I Did haven't you? seen it. I haven't seen it either. I haven't seen it. 
<laughs> so yeah, you're right. Number one versus number 37. If it's Donovan on the call sheet, they'd go for Ryan automatically. But then again, who's to say? Maybe they might be open to a little diversity on the set. And maybe they want, you know, a Donovan. <laughs> you you hit a, a word. Sure. Right? You You hit the word diversity. Sure. And this is a polarizing topic to me. Because diversity means being diverse, right? Diversity does not mean um, replacement. Mm. So, you know, if you have shows or films or whatever that are just replacing one ethnic group for another ethnic group, I don't think there's anything diverse about that at all. I think there needs to be actual diversity, right? There has to be, you know, if you're casting John, the lead, and John is X, Y, and Z, then it shouldn't be John, the white guy, or John, the Asian guy. It should just be John. This is This is John. And then, depending on who you cast for John, then everything else will trickle down from there because your number one will then dictate the rest of your cast. Mm -hmm. Yes? So, you know, if, if your number one is John, okay, and John happens to be a Caucasian man with a family, then you're not going to cast an Asian wife if the, chi if the children are white. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Like it, it's. But they did do that in what do you call it? In True Lies, what do you call it, the TV show? A white man, and what there was a Spanish woman. What do yeah. you call it, that was cast? And True Lies got canceled. Listeners, by the way, like the first episode, but didn't like the other episodes. So I'm just pointing that out that they sometimes they do maybe a white man with a minority wife. Oh, I mean that's that's all good. Like I'm I'm all for that. But it, it really depends on what's the best for the story. Sure. Right. If so, if your story is about a an Asian male, you're probably not going to cast a white male. But it's the same the other way around. Right. If your story is about a white male, you probably shouldn't cast an Asian guy to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but once again, like it's to me, it's about diversity, being actually diverse. OK. Did you want to throw out your social media platforms? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm on Instagram at Peter Lung, P-E-T-E-R-L-O-U-N-G, like young with an L. And that's all that I'm on. <laughs> all right. And did you want to throw out the projects they can look out for you in? The one that we were talking about earlier that was on for two seasons, but I do think it will be in a reboot in two years. <laughs> it's called Rising Suns, S-U-N-S. Uh, uh, some great, great, great cast members, man. Uh, my my guy who plays my dad is Russell Yoon. Russell Yoon is screen royalty. Uh, Grace Lynn Kuhn plays my mom, and Grace is absolutely everywhere. She's living out in L.A. right now. Britt Bristow. It's a just a star-studded cast of people. Okay, okay. Any final things you would love to tell Met Radio Toronto? Tune in. Okay. All right. Well, they're tuning in now, aren't they? We hope so. <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Peter, I really enjoyed getting to know ya. Oh, thank you, man. Thank all right, you. all right. For Met Radio 1280 AM, I am Donovan LaCruxy. I would love to thank so much. Actor, you can throw out your name again. Peter Lung. Thank you for being on the show. And thank you to the listeners for listening to this episode.